Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoiler burst via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. United Arby's of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan, that's Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's Robert Picardo. Yeah. Who was awesome. He played the EMH, uh, also known as The Doctor on yep. Star Trek Voyager. Yep. He also played Dr. Dick Richards on ABC's China Beach, which was an amazing show in its own right. He was also on the uh, Orville, he, I found out. <laughs> yeah. And he, what's that? He was also on the Orville. Yep. He, he was played on Orville. Alar, played Alara's dad on the Orville. Yep. Yep. And he was on Wonder Years, one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, yeah. Because that was right at my age group. And he was Richard Woolsey on Stargate and so much more. He was really cool to talk with, too. Oh. He, he had so many stories. Yeah. Stories for days. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to have him for 30 minutes. We, we, we got, we, we coaxed him into 40. Yeah. We, we, we held him at knife point and said, you're going to keep talking. And he said, okay, don't, don't. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Now he was, he was fine. great, man. He was, fine, he was, man. He was a lot fine. of fun. Yeah, he was, he was cool. <laughs> he was really cool. I really liked uh, chatting with him. Hopefully we can get him back someday. Yeah. It'd be great. You know? We've got a lot of back people to yeah, get back. We got a lot of people. Well, with some of them, are, some of them are scheduled, we're just so far scheduled in advance. It's they're coming out later. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's sit back, maybe grab a drink. If you're a cigar smoker, get a cigar. It's worth about a 30-minute cigar. And uh, let's listen to Rob Ricardo. All right, guys, we're back. And today it's super special because, well, we have a guy that is a part of sci-fi royalty in a lot of ways. He's been on a lot of the main shows that we've all grew up with and watched and loved. He's right out of Philadelphia. He grew up his whole childhood there. He went to Yale. He even appeared in David Mamet's play, Sexual Perversity in Chicago. And you worked with one of my favorite actors of all time, Danny Aiello, back in 1977 on, on Broadway for Gemini, which is amazing. And I can't wait to ask you about that. Robert Picardo, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Kenrick. Pleasure to be here. Uh, well, we really appreciate you coming, and it's exciting. And as I said in the intro, you got to work with Danny Aiello. What was what was that? Sadly, he just passed in, in December. You know, he, I, I love Do the Right Thing, and he was so good yeah. in that movie, and that made me want to watch other things that he was in. What was he like? He was a unique uh, individual, Danny, and he had – he had a whole career before he became an actor as he worked for the bus drivers union. He was what's known as a dispatcher. So at the drop of a hat, Danny could do his, the announcements he used to do at, I guess, Port Authority, whenever they dispatched the bus, he would name every stop that a particular bus stopped at, you know, 30 names in a row. Yeah. Uh, he had, yeah, I guess he'd always wanted to be an actor. And at the time we did Gemini, which was we started, I guess, in the very in early 1977, and we started at a regional theater just outside of New York. We moved off Broadway, and the show was such a hit. We moved to Broadway, and it ran. That's awesome. I think almost four years. Now, Danny didn't stay the whole time, nor did I. But Gemini is one of the longest running non musicals in the history of Broadway, and you know, and oh, I didn't maybe know that. More people don't remember it so anyway he was great he played my dad he was in his early 40s i think i was 23 he was like 44 45 years old and and he was great you know he was great to me he loved the fact that i we were both italians playing in a you know italian father and son our relationship in the play the characters 
didn't get along too great. You know, I, my dad, we, I came from a very poor neighborhood in South Philly and went to Harvard on scholarship. So I guess I, my character felt a little uh, estranged from his poor, you know, background Yeah, and didn't, you know, quite, you know, uh, didn't, but he loved his, he loved his father, but you know, was completely different from him. So it was a great experience. Danny in, indeed was a unique talent. And I like you, Absolutely loved him and do the right thing. Yeah. Oh, God, he was so good in that movie. It was. And I was so sad when he passed away. I hadn't seen him in a number of years. Some of the other friends I've kept from Gemini, like the actor Reed Bernie, who's gone on to tremendous success on Broadway and won the Tony Award a couple of years ago for oh, The awesome. Humans. He, he saw Danny, uh, you know, uh, just in the last couple of years, but I haven't seen him in years. He suffered a terrible tragedy when his oldest son, who was, you know, who was a stunt uh, coordinator, yeah. uh, died at a young age. So, you know, he had a, he had a tough life. That's, that's unfortunate. I didn't know that happened to him. That's unfortunate. That's always, it's always tough. Like my, my oldest sister passed away and uh-huh. I, I never, I, I can, I never know how my mom is feeling because even though there were, there was four of us, you know what I mean? She's always, there's good days and bad days. And you can tell the bad days when it's about Kathy, you know, and mm-hmm. as a sibling, you never expect to lose your sibling. So it's, right. it, I always, I always feel for people when, when they have loss like that. Cause it's just, sure. it's, and as a parent, you never expect, you know, you, 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 not the natural order. Nature. Exactly. The natural order is that you, you, you go before your children do. And it's a, uh, it's a tragedy that I can't imagine having, I have a couple of children of my own who are happy, yeah. healthy and well, but That's I awesome. can't imagine losing a child. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that. So let's get on a happier subject. Yeah. Let's talk about something happier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> COVID-19. No, COVID-19. <laughs> Actually, how are you doing? Are you guys doing the whole self-isolation, wearing your mask, wearing yes. your gloves, doing all the, all the right things? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I, good. I had been spending most of the last few years I've been spending in New York. I was in Los Angeles when the lockdown happened. I was working guest starring on one television show about to start another one. And then everything stopped. So I am, I am not in New York for which I am, you know, I have nothing but sympathy and, and compassion Yeah, because New York is, not only a, a great, great city, it has the highest population density in yeah. Manhattan of any, any part of, of the country. It's a bad place to be in a pandemic. But I think uh, their governor, Cuomo, is doing a terrific job. I think and, he's done uh, excellent. And I, applaud, and I applaud New Yorkers for, you know, by and large, they've really, they've really followed the protocols, taken it very seriously, flattened the curve, and they're past the worst point. So we yeah, just awesome. keep it that way. But I'm in... Uh, sort of the middle part of California in a, you know, outside of LA in a lower population density area, Oh, good. And, you know, and, and I can take walks and, you know, live a relatively normal life. So I feel a little guilty that, uh, that it hasn't been too bad for me. Personally. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're healthy and safe. So that's good. You have been in some amazing TV shows. You played coach Cutlip on the wonder years, which was one of my favorite shows because I I was about the age of Fred Savage during that time, and his dad on that show reminded me of my dad. So uh, it was a lot of fun to watch that. Do you have a lot of fond memories of the Wonder Years? Oh yeah, when I when I read that script, there was a feeling that it was going to be a classic. The pilot of that is extraordinary. Um, Fred Savage has had an amazing career, not yeah. only uh, as an adult actor and a, you know, a director and all sorts of things, but he was quite an extraordinary and sophisticated actor at age 12. You yeah. Know, when, they, when, when he was, all of those voiceover segments, which they would shoot with someone reading the voiceover off camera, and you could see on his, playing on his face all of the things he was thinking about. It was, he was quite extraordinary for a young actor. And I had, you know, the coach Cutlip was probably the stupidest character I have ever played. You know, he had the IQ of a, of a, you know, of if flipper, if, if flipper, you know, was like half as smart as he was, Yeah, he was like a dumb, you know, a dumb dolphin. 
But he was, at, but I guess because he was so obviously, what's the word, paranoid, that uh, there was something lovable about Mr. Cutler. So, and I, I remember at the time that, that there's something weird about, you know, there's just something about gym teachers. I asked to be, because my gym teacher <laughs> that I remember from, wore the tightest clothes. You know, I guess he was proud of his physique. So I said that when I got cast in the part, I said, I want, I want you to, I want my clothes to be as tight as they possibly can. I want you to, see, to be able to see whether I'm an innie or an outie, you know? And, uh, uh, and, and I, what else did I say? Uh, uh, also, I think they originally thought of the gym teachers being a sort of a big guy. And I was pretty skinny and slight for yeah. the gym teacher. So my, my whole notion for the character was that he wanted to teach English literature but they gave him remedial reading and gym, you know, so that he, he had a chip on his shoulders that nobody took him seriously. If there's been a, I guess not to transition immediately to Star Trek, but if there's a stock in trade I've had as an actor is to play characters, A, that you initially don't like when you meet them and then you grow to like them. Right. Mostly because their, neuros, their neuroses are so obvious that you, you start to see why they behave the way they do. And in that respect, even though the doctor on Voyager had about 200 IQ points on Ed Cutlip, they had certain things in common. They were both paranoid that they weren't being accorded the respect that they deeply believed they deserved. Right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. But, you know, I usually, I usually save the – because it's so easy to fall into talk to you about Star Trek because you were on for so many years and, and on so many different iterations. And I know that you're, I, I read up because every time someone's coming on, I, you know, I try to do the research and read up on everything I can. I know that you're like one of the few people that's like one of the little trivias was you're one of the few people that have worn all different, all the different colors of the uniform for all the different roles that you did. And, and I think that's, that's pretty neat. There's only what three of you guys that have actually done that. But in your career, you have been, in some amazing things. You were in The Howling in 1981, which scared the crap out of me as a little kid. And I, I watched that. You are in Star 80 with Muriel Hemingway, another classic. Get Crazy. Oh, God, you devil. What was George Burns like to work with? Uh, he was amazing. He was, at that time, I think he was in his late 80s or early 90s. And I remember him being... He was very diminutive, very frail. They yeah. walked into the set. They they sat him down, whatever his character was going to be seated in the scene. And they said, okay, George, that's, and they, they point to me, that's that's uh, Bob, he's playing this part. That's yeah. Ron, Ron Silver uh, was playing this part. And he did, they pointed to four other actors and said, that's this person, this person, this person. This. Remember, when you learn lines in a scene and different people are talking, you know, you haven't even met the actors yet. You don't. So usually when they read through, you, you read your line and then you look up and go, oh, who am I talking to? Oh, I guess I'm talking to you. <laughs> he, he, I've never seen this before in an actor, older or younger. After he was told who we are, the first time we did the lines to the scene, he just looked up and looked each one of us in the eye like he already knew us. Yeah. Uh, so yes, he was extraordinary. I asked him for a autographed picture. At the time, I used to work in and out of a hairpiece because I was uh, prematurely bald. Yeah, I'm so right I there with you, buddy, Mr. Burns. Yeah, <laughs> I said, Mr. Burns, would you please sign a picture that says, "Dear Robert, wear the toupee," <laughs> and uh, he did. <laughs> uh, I would love to have a George Burns headshot <laughs> autograph. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. I loved, I, my mom and dad were big fans of George Burns. So every time he was on TV, we watched all the, uh, Oh God movies and used to watch the reruns of his show. And well, he was, a, I mean, Burns and Allen was, uh, or good night, Gracie. I'm sorry. Was, uh, was just, uh, amazing. And uh, it was so ahead of its time, the yeah. way he broke the fourth wall, the way he was watching the show while he was in the show. It was just genius. You know, it was so <laughs> surreal. It was like a, a it was like a, a Pirandello play, you know, rather than an, a television show in the late fifties. So yeah. he was, uh, he was, he was very ahead of his time. And his mannerisms just made you like him, you know, 
yeah. that, him with that cigar, his lips, the way he moved his mouth, all of it just built up this insane character that you just like, oh my God, I, I, I just want to hang out with him all day long. <laughs> and he was so subtle and, and thrown away, had amazing timing. I, in the late eight, I mean, I worked with him. Oh God, you devil was probably, I don't even remember, was like the very early 80s. I think. Yeah, I think 84. And then, and then late, about five or six years later, while I was doing China Beach, the Vietnam drama with yep. uh, Damon Delaney and Mark Helmut. That's a great show. Uh, it was a great show. And uh, we were at an, an event for ABC, and the entertainment at the event was uh, George Burns and the Four Tops, the original Four Tops, all four original members, uh, sang, and George Burns did about 15 minutes of stand-up. And I thought, how wow. cool is this to be just at a big, you know, at a network party? Yeah. And to have this kind of entertainment. And he was hilarious. I mean, I he bet. was just... He, he killed in an audience that was, you know, obviously we were, everybody there was, was 30% his age or between 30 and 40%, you know, between 20 and 40% his age and he killed. Uh, that's awesome. So you are in one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, which I think doesn't get enough credit. And, and, and I might be over example, overdoing it because, uh, I watched it when it first came out and I was 13, but you're in inner space. Oh yeah. That, that's a, that's a fun movie. That movie should have, even though it became a cult classic yeah. and became a huge hit in its afterlife, I, it should have been a huge hit the first time around, <laughs> you know, Paramount, I'm sorry, uh, Warner brothers uh, you know, were over the moon with that, film when it was testing and in previews it was just killing and audiences were rating it off the charts and then it opened i think in october and here's what happened it opened a week or two after mel brooks who's a genius no doubt about it but one of his least successful movies um was the star wars parody Spaceballs. Spaceballs. yeah yeah and, uh, I mean, make the, sh let the Schwartz be with you is not necessarily the best, you know, it's not <laughs> Mel Brooks it's top tier Mel Brooks. Right. But anyway, because it, uh, the theory that I've heard, there are two theories as to why inner space did not open huge the way it was supposed to. One of which, uh, is that, uh, space falls was a bomb. And when you open a movie called Inner Space a week or two after Space Balls, everybody goes, oh, what do you want to go see this weekend? Inner Space Balls? No, I heard it sucked. Yeah. You know, they, they got conflated together because they both had space in the title. Oh, I can and, see that. Uh, the, the other theory I heard was that the, uh, the ad, uh, the, the, the poster for Inner Space didn't tell the story of the movie. The movie it looked like kind of some weird ET like sci-fi movie with. Yeah. It's you know, got like a, two a, fingers a coming together and some white light coming out. Right. You can't really tell. Yeah. It's like ET between your fingertips rather than, <laughs> I mean, it's really a great romantic comedy. What's amazing about inner space is that it takes the notion of what it means to be a quote man. What's, what is, what is, what is masculine and what, you know, what does it mean to be a good man? Yeah. And, uh, and kind of it, it it's a lesson of, you know, getting inside another man's skin and seeing the world from his perspective. But Dennis Quaid's character is kind of a out of control, kind of boorish, you know, self-centered, you know, rock star kind of character because he's a star test pilot. Right. So he has a lot to learn about being vulnerable and, you know, and being in a relationship. And Martin Short is kind of the opposite kind of guy, the sort of weak, nebbishy guy. So the, the two men learn a lesson from each other in this odd relationship they have, which is to say um, Martin Short has a, a mini, you know, a micro Dennis Quaid injected into his body <laughs> right. and hijinks ensue. <laughs> so it's a great, it's really a great, it's uh, a fun movie in, uh, yeah, it really is. It's very sweet. And I play a ridiculous character that only Joe Dante would cast me in. Um, you know, he's, 
He's of indeterminate national origin, and he's a high-technology thief. And he's watched too many episodes of Dallas, and he imagines himself a cowboy, even though he's some weird foreigner. And again, the, the character had almost no lines in the script, so I yeah. auditioned for it by improvising. Um, Joe wanted to cast me off the bat because he has said in a number of interviews, I don't know if you've ever talked to Joe Dante, but he has this kind of fun voice. He goes, well, you know, whenever I don't have a cast the part, I just give it to Picardo. <laughs> so, yeah, he wanted to use me, but I had to, I had to get approved by Steven Spielberg, who was the exact, you know, producer on the movie. Yeah. And Joe said to me, Stephen thinks, you know, Stephen thinks you should be scary, but I think, you know, I think you should, you got to be funny. It's a comedy. It's got to be a funny villain. If you're just scary, you know. So what we have to do is we have to convince Stephen you're going to be scary and then we'll just do what we want. Right. So I had to uh, do a, uh, he had to shoot an, uh, an audition and he lit me like a Sergio Leone Western. I mean, my face was brightly, harshly lit on one side, and then it kind of faded yeah. to dark on the other side. Um, I didn't know what to do, so I glued a gold tooth in. I took a, a, an Armand Roca candy wrapper and, and made a gold tooth, which ended up <laughs> being in the movie. And I, I you know, I, I think I put Vaseline over my, my head so I was shiny and greasy and, and had beard stubble. And then I knew I wanted to do an accent uh, because the character was supposed to be, oh I think they said he was from Albania, but I did a, a Middle Eastern accent. And because there wasn't any dialogue, I remember that I read back then, everybody had a, a video cassette player yeah. in their office in Hollywood because actors tapes, it's primitive now, but instead of being emailed on a non-existent, in, a then non-existent internet, if you wanted to see an actor's tape, you would literally get a video cassette of scenes and yeah. watch them. So there was the standard video cassette recorder in the office that Joe had. It was blinking, you know, 12 o'clock the way they always did because no one ever set the time on them. And, uh, and what I did is I took the instruction manual to the VCR and I started to read how to set it up with this crazy accent and that I just read a couple of lines like that with the accent. And then I remember I said, I love this country. America is a beautiful country. What I love best about this country is uh, country Western music. I am going to sing for you now. <laughs> my favorite country Western songs. I got spurs, the jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> And I just mispronounced all yeah. the words. Uh, and it, end, it ended with, uh, I'm an old cow hand doing, and they thought that was so funny that that's, that it went into the movie. So oh there my, you go. You're making me want, I'm, I'm going to go watch that movie tonight. Because it's such a classic. And I, I remember loving it when I was a kid. And then so I good. still loved it 10 years later when I watched it in the 90s. And I don't think I've watched it in about 12 years. So it's about time to watch it again. No, it, it stands up. It really does. I, I introduced Joe at a film festival that he won an award in about three years ago, and and we saw it on the big screen. I hadn't seen Interspace, on, you know, yeah, since it came out on the big screen, and it was it was it stood up. It was fun. Oh. So, Bob, you're in Stargate, and we just had Cornemic on. Uh, not too long mm -hmm. ago, and he was in, you know, he was in uh, SG One as well, and we had, um, oh my lord, the executive producer, the showrunner for the last ten years of the show, Malazzi, oh, Brad Wright, or Robert Cooper, or um, Malazzi, uh, Joe Malazzi. Yep, Joe Malazzi. Malazzi. Yep, I love Joe Malazzi. He was Brad great. Cooper and Brad Wright were, I guess, the. They were the execs of the franchise, yeah. but their number one writing team after that was uh, Joe Malazzi and Paul Muley. Joe is my best friend in the in the Stargate franchise. Yeah. I just loved him. He was such a pleasure to work with and to work for. Oh, he was great. great. He came on for, we, we had him on for about an hour and a half. We talked all things Stargate, went over his dark matter and all yeah. the stuff that he has mm -hmm. going on. He, he's just a great guy. We can't wait to have him on again. He is. You know, I, I can't wait to work. I, he's one of those people I know I will work for again sometime yeah. between now and, you know, being on the wrong side of the grass. I don't know when it'll happen, but I'm sure I will. 
What does the agent Richard Woosley mean to you? What does the character mean? Yeah, what, what you know, how, what, the like, what does it mean for you to be playing that character and thinking back well, on it now? Because I know you really love that show. I, uh, it was a great job. It, it's always a pleasure as an actor to be offered yeah. a job. To not have we almost we have to earn unless you're a big you know movie or TV star. You have to pretty much earn every acting opportunity through auditioning and uh, Stargate because they knew my work from Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and maybe even China beach. I don't know, but uh, they just offered me the role, but the character was supposed to be a one-off, which is show business talk for, you know, just one appearance, one, and then you're off. Like, yeah. That's why they call it a one-off. So I was, uh, and I was also filler material. I'll explain. Um, they had done this incredible show with Saul Rubinek as the guest star. Yeah. And it was called Heroes. And the show was, it, Saul Rubinek's character was making, a, I guess, like a, a video, a documentary about Stargate Command, about the, the base. It was, you know, whatever the uh, Air Force base is, not Stargate Command, but the, the Air Force base that was the sort of the front, the cover for the secret Stargate program. He was doing a documentary there. And meanwhile, this tragedy happens. And their doctor, um, uh, Doctor Frazier. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can never remember the other characters' names. Yeah, that's but okay. uh, but the, the, a tragedy happens, and their doctor dies. And even though he doesn't quite know what's going on, he can see something terrible's happening while he's making the documentary, uh, and he starts to ask questions. I guess that's exactly how it went. In yeah. any case, they shot this episode. It was supposed to be one. One episode in length, they had, it was 10 minutes long, and it was so good, they didn't know what to cut. So they went to the network, the Sci-Fi Channel, and said, hey, we'd like to make this a two-parter. Why don't we make the second half kind of a clip show where we'll take the best scenes from the rest of the season, and we'll tie them all together. Well, in order to tie them all together, they hired me. I became this character who was called in to do an investigation of the tragic death one of the, you know, of one of these officers. Right. And in, and I had to interview everybody and that was a way to replay all the footage. So I was called in to be filler material. Gotcha. So I come in and I, and I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a bad, I'm a bad guy or a colorless kind of, you know, hatchet man <laughs> who's come in to find, to assign blame. So someone, someone's head will roll. Right. And, uh, so I come in and I shoot my enormous amount of dialogue, maybe 14 pages. Oh, like wow. That, 12 and a half to 14 pages. That's a lot of television to shoot in one day. There were trick shots. There was a 360 degree shot where the camera kept going around and around in a circle. And the other actors slipped in and out of the chair. So without a cut and without any trick photography, I, every time the camera came around, I was talking to another person. Well, that's wow. very hard to shoot. Because actors are running in and out, and I have to, I have to stare with laser focus on a person who isn't there. You know, people are jumping in and out of chairs off camera. Right. I have to look like it's it's one interview with you know that that with with one interview with a different person I'm talking to with every question. It was very hard to do. The day went great. We finished on time. Joe and his partner Paul said, "Would you like to go out and have dinner? We have a great dinner together." And they go, "Hey." We like this actor. I'm sorry we we made him such a jerk because you know now what do we do? So they decided that that they would try to have me back. And every time the character came back, he was given a slight positive quality. Like the first time, I was just an outright dick, right? I was just a complete dick. But then the next time I came back, I was a I was a dick who was a dick for a good reason. He believed in, you know, <laughs> that the secret program needed oversight. And then the next time I came back, I was a dick who knew he was a dick, who was a dick for a good reason, but he didn't really want to be a dick anymore. You know, I mean, I, I had a, a slight, a slight adjustment so that they built on it so that I, I didn't, they didn't, the character wasn't completely reinvented. He was slowly transforming to less of a dick. 
And this went on, you know, and then they started to build in humorous things. You usually <laughs> had no humor at all. And they slowly and meticulously transformed this guy. And then eventually they asked me to, you know, take over as the lead of the expedition. And I said to them, I said to Joe when he called me, it was around Thanksgiving one year, and I said, wait a minute. I said, nobody likes me. I'm a complete asshole. Yeah. I have no leadership skills. I'm a coward. I've been running. I, we have an episode where I ran away from danger faster than anyone else. <laughs> How are you going to make me a leader? And he said, don't worry. That's our problem. I said, great. I'll do it. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Um, anyway, so they, they are, they're just the best. They're the, they're the, they're, I recommend any actor to work with uh, Joe Malazzi. Um, and, uh, they're just uh, uh, Joe and Paul, and and then they're uh, you know, the, and then the guys who Brad Wright and Robert Cooper who created SG One. Yeah, um, they're just a wonderful family to work for. Who knew that from that the 1995 movie that that show would take off and then just continually yeah. to grow and then have all these offshoots and just became a, a juggernaut. I mean, when I when I, you spoke the last line for Stargate Atlantis. And I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> How weird was that, that you kind of closed the loop there? No, I was honored. I was honored. And, uh, you know, we all, uh, well, frankly, it was surprising that the show didn't run longer. Yeah. Uh, there was some sort of political thing happening with MGM at the time where um, Brad Wright wanted a, a two-year initial commitment for um Stargate universe. And I heard after the fact that the network said, well, why don't we give you a one year contract for the new show and we'll renew Atlantis. Yeah. But because it was, you know, it was a new show, the sets were expensive. I think it came down to a choice and he kind of went, you know, they decided to sort of, you know, double down on the new show, which was also great. I thought, but much more dramatic, more serious than the earlier ones. It didn't have that same kind of, well, you know, it, it was funny because yeah, it was funny because Malazzi was talking. He was like, you know, every year when we took it over, we thought we we're going to get canceled the next year, and the ratings come mm-hmm. in and they, they wouldn't be amazing; they'd be good, but they wouldn't be great. And he goes, "I, I, I thought we we're going to get canceled every year." And then finally, he feels like, "Oh, we're good. We're going to have, you know, we'll have a couple more years." They're canceled. <laughs> he was like, I, "I just couldn't believe it." <laughs> so. Let's get into Star Trek. You know, we we have limited time and I know that if we don't ask you Star Trek questions, we'll get we'll get flambéed because I'm sure uh, <laughs> all those guys out right. there wanting to know about the EMH and is it Dr. Lewiston? Dr. Lewis Zimmerman. Zoom, is the that's name what it I is. was supposed to get and never did. <laughs> but you were on the Dr. Prashir, I presume, that talks and he's that character's yes, in that I, episode. I, right. The, the, uh, on, on Voyager in season two or three, we met the holographic Dr. Zimmerman, who was the engineer who created the emergency medical holographic program. Right. Um, he, he was in the, in the ship's database as sort of a, uh, almost like a, 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 a talking instruction manual that you could access and he would, he would talk to you about how to modify or change the EMH program. So we, we saw the holographic representation of him on Voyager, but then we saw the guy himself on deep space nine as a guest star. Right. And, uh, and that was fun to cross over. I was the only character that could cross over because Voyager of course was way the hell away in the Delta quadrant. So to be, you know, so that none of our, my castmates could have been on Deep Space Nine, only the doctor uh, or his programmer, because the programmer designed the original doctor to look like him. That's the whole reason I'm in the the movie uh, First Contact as right. well, because I, uh, this is a fun story. I, I planted the seed in their minds and watched it grow. I, uh, I was in executive producer Rick Berman's office talking about uh, directing Voyager because I was in this sort of informal, you know, director training program that he had, you know, several of my castmates uh, yeah, directed awesome. very successfully. And 
And while I was walking out the door, I said, you're, you're writing the new Star Trek movie for the Next Generation cast right now. He said, yes. I said, well, and I knew they had destroyed the Enterprise at the end of the movie Star Trek Six, Star Trek Generation. Yeah. The ship had crashed into the ice planet. I said, so you're going to have a brand new Enterprise. He said, yes. I said, I don't understand something. Why does uh, the Voyager have a more, you know, more sophisticated technology than your flagship, the Enterprise? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, how come we've got this emergency medical hologram program and they don't have it on the new Enterprise? And he smiled. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to pat my part. I'm just looking out for your logic here. Right. He smiled and said, why would they all look alike? I said, why wouldn't they? I said, it's the first generation of piece of technology. I said, it'd be like a popular screen favorite. Everybody would have the same one. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's generation one of That's the technology. Right. Windows XP, we all had the rolling hills on our desktop. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he smiled and said, that's a very interesting idea. And I left his room. And about a week later, I, uh, you know, Brandon Braga and Ronald Moore were writing the script to the new movie, which I knew. And Ron Moore wasn't working on Voyager. He was actually working on Deep Space Nine, but I had befriended him at a party and I got invited to his house for dinner and I'm chatting with him. You know, and he's, and I said, uh, you're, you're co-writing the, the new script for the movie. He said, yeah. I said, I don't understand something. And then I went through the whole damn thing again, the whole thing again. I love goes, this. That's a very interesting idea. All right. So a week or two later, I'm in Brandon Braga's office for some, you know, question about, something we're doing on Voyager. And I said, you're, you're you and uh, Ron Moore writing the new feature script. He said, yes, you know, I don't understand something. And I run, I walk him down the whole lane again, you know, the whole thing about, you know, why don't they have a, okay. So oh, then like this. three or four weeks go by and I get a call from Jonathan Frakes in my trailer while I'm shooting Voyager one day. And he goes, Hey, I want to thank you. I said, why? Well, I said, well, I want to thank you for helping me get, to direct the next Star Trek feature. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in order to get approved, they showed them the first episode I did of Voyager, which is all you. Uh, it was an episode that was, you know, almost ex exclusively me yeah. called uh, Projection. That's awesome. And I said, that's very kind, but I'm sure, you got, I'm sure I had nothing to do with it. I said, but you know what? I don't understand something. <laughs> and, and I did the whole thing with Jonathan Frake. And he went, he went, wow. He said, that's a very interesting idea. And then, sure enough, two weeks after that, I got a call from Rick Berman, our exec, who oversaw all of the shows and all of the movies at the time. And he said, we have decided to put the EMH in the new Star Trek movie. And I said, I said wow, what an interesting idea. <laughs> That's awesome. So I had it was like the the the, the play Laurent where you whisper in somebody's ear and then you wait for it to come back to you. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's one of my favorite uh, stories about how to how to plant a seed and watch it grow. That's awesome. I love that story. That's you know who knew no one's going to know that one. That's 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 amazing. That's hilarious. You directed too a couple episodes. Is I that, did. Do you want to um, do more directing, know, or? Um, you know, uh, at the time, no. Uh, there's, uh, I have a project now, uh, a low budget movie that I am sort of squiring along, and I, if it if it gets made, I will direct that. Yeah. But uh, but back in the day uh, when we did that, I and I directed one of the really one of the most popular episodes of Voyager, One Small Step, which is based on. Really, uh, it was uh, our tribute to the early NASA astronauts. That's awesome, and and I enjoyed it. But it just, uh, you know, when I saw my castmates, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil and Roxanne Dawson and Tim Russ, they were always they seemed to take to it in a much more natural way than I did. I loved yeah. uh, directing the actors, but all of the questions of directing, where ninety people ask you questions. Didn't you know? It didn't appeal to me as much as it seemed to my other castmates. Right. So I chose not to pursue it. You know, no. and I have never regretted that. Well, if your movie comes out, let us know. We'd mm -hmm. love to help you promote it. If, if I make the movie, I will definitely come back on your show. Oh, you that would be my word. That would be awesome. So you are on the board 
at least you were last year. I'm not sure if you still are for the Planetary Society. Oh, I am indeed. Yes. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's, it's been a passion for many years. I was on the advisory council. I love this. All the way back in the, in the nineties. Yeah. So I was 16, 17 years. I had been associated with them. I did, uh, I, I did a lot of their outreach for, um, especially for young people, uh, you know, uh, educational challenges for young people that were related to space exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when we landed the first uh, rover, um, the Sojourner rover in 1990, I want to say seven or eight, I might be off a year. Um, at that same time, uh, the Planetary Society had a strategic partnership with the Lego Corporation and kids in uh, middle school or high school, depending on their level of achievement, could build a rover. They could build a Mars rover out of Lego at their school. Meanwhile, they would build their sort of artificial Martian surface. They would make a giant sandbox with obstacles in it. Then they would send their rover to a competing high school, and that other high school would send their rover to the first high school, and then they would explore each other's unknown Martian surfaces and oh, then that is send back the data over the internet. It was a perfect analog for what NASA was doing at yeah. that moment. So I, I was involved with that. I announced winners from that competition. Oh. I arranged the first public service announcement on a Star Trek set. I think the only one that I've ever heard of. Um, while we were shooting Voyager, I went to our exec producer and I said, I'd like to do a, this uh, promo, a PSA for this project to challenge young people to be interested in astronomy called the Mars Millennium Project. And they let me shoot it. And years later, I heard uh, through the Planetary Society of a young woman who just got her PhD in astronomy. And at the time she was watching Star Trek, she was 13 or 14 years old, saw that public service announcement. And she said, it changed my life. Oh, that's awesome. And I entered the competition. And, you know, and that alone was worth it to hear. She said, if you ever wonder if if doing that kind of work, you know, that kind of outreach makes a difference, I'm here to tell you it does. So, um, and then about three and a half, four years ago, uh, the present leader, Bill Nye, the science guy, who I had met and befriended in the late 90s, through the Planetary Society, I, we were on a panel together at the uh, 40th anniversary of NASA. In um, uh, it was a it was a uh, that they had at the um, American University in Washington D.C. Uh, NASA was founded in 1958, so this was 1998. Yeah. Um, anyway, Bill and I were on a panel with the original Mr. Wizard, Don Herbert. And it was the panel was about how the media, you know, influences the public's interest in space exploration. Yeah, and uh, and Bill and I became friends. Eventually, uh, I was asked uh, to be on the uh, executive board, and it's been great. I mean, they're uh, it's a brilliant group of people. I love sitting around the table and that's, listening to them and trying to understand awesome. more than sixty percent of what they're saying. I love that. But my my mission is to just bring their message to the science fiction fan community and say, if you love science fiction, you really love science. You yeah. just may not know that. And uh, you should see what we're real, really doing now. And you should support, you know, uh, increase funding for NASA. You should let your, your, you know, your representatives in Congress know that it's a priority for you. You think it's important and that our future lies in space. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's a great message. We'll, uh, we'll actually link, their website in on the show notes and then on the intro and outro, we'll, we'll reiterate it. Uh, cause I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in everything you just said. That's, that's awesome. Bill Nye. So do you is, have a final question? I do. I got um, go two small things and then we'll let you go. One Bill Nye is actually, All when right. you talk to Bill Nye, ask him about Speedwalker. He used to be on a uh, show here called almost live in Seattle, Washington. Oh yeah. And, I remember I've seen Speedwalker. Oh yeah. God. It's so funny. And every time we, I see Bill Nye, the science guy, he used to do that character. Well, I say quote unquote character, but I mean, that's Bill Nye now, but he used to do that on almost live and do these little experiments on the show. And it was one of the best parts about the show. So the last thing I, I have, that. because mm-hmm. you are on this board, 
you have a wonderful YouTube uh, segment that you've done and you read and explain a letter that came to the society from Gene Roddenberry. And he really encapsulates some of the imagination and a lot of what people feel about when they look up into the stars and what planetary and all that kind of stuff means. And I'm kind of hoping you can relay a little bit of the message and and what it meant to you when you're reading that, that, that letter. Well, uh, I I assume he wrote a letter for the very first planetary society magazine. And he said, I've never done this before, but I'm going to send a letter out to all of the people who love Star Trek and tell them basically to support um, this nonprofit, the effort of this nonprofit. And it was quite amazing to see, you know, to see the actual, I mean, it's a, I guess it was a Xerox copy. I don't think it could have been the original, but it was the original, it was the typed letter signed by Gene Roddenberry. It's very cool. It may have actually been the original letter because after all, it was, it, he may have given it in his archives to the Planetary Society. In any case, it was a piece of history that was in my hand. And uh, and even though I never had the privilege or honor of meeting Gene Roddenberry because he had passed away uh, about three years, I think, before Voyager was cast. Yeah. It felt like it, it felt the closest I had come to connecting with him. In other words, that my service to the Planetary Society as a board member and a, and a vocal supporter and, and someone who is bringing their message to the science fiction community that he and I, in a way, were kind of, uh, what's the word? We were shaking hands in that moment because, because he had preceded me in 1980 doing exactly the same thing with Star Trek fandom. So, you know, that was a, it, was a, it was a sweet moment to, to read that. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day and fitting us. And what about John? John, I never heard from John. John is, he's, he's kind of like my, my Andy to my Conan. (laughs) Okay. All right. Understood. (laughs) Well, we very much appreciate you coming on. I, I, I hope to see you again and, and good luck in all your future endeavors. Thank you, Kenrick. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. So, Kenry, I got a trivia question for you. Oh, God. I'm going to fail this miserably. (laughs) What does Robert Picardo and our Mm -hmm. guest on Tuesday, Rob Paulson, have in common? And Robert Picardo. And our guest from a while ago, Eric Larson. What do the three of them have in common? Holy shit. Um, I have no idea. Uh, wait, wait, wait. They all like banana smoothies? Possibly, but no. Oh. So, Eric Larson created the Savage Dragon. Yeah. There was a cartoon show called The Savage Dragon, which okay. had the voice actors of Robert Bricardo and Rob Paulson. Really? Really, really. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so those three we've had on the show all have a connection on of the Savage Dragon. That's hilarious. <clears throat> wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Picardo's got a very uh, distinct voice. He when does. You start talking, you know that. Ooh, I know who that is. Yeah. Oh, I know that. And he, I mean, it's, it's he's, he, cause I'm watching Orville right now. I'm almost yeah. done with season two. And when he showed up, it's I was like, oh, I, I know that guy. And he's talking, I'm like, it's, he just has that commanding voice of, Yep. Intelligence. I don't know. I don't know how to, pr- he just exudes like, Oh, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> when Ricardo speaks, people listen. That's right. I mean, I do. I do for sure. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was an honor to sit and talk with him and go over things. And yeah, he, yeah, man, I think you summed it up when, you know, he's a smart guy and he's a fun guy to chat with. I don't know. I hopefully we can get him back. I hope so too. Cause I, I want to ask him some, I actually, I, so I watched Voyager when it was on like yeah. the first, like four seasons. And then I watched the last uh, three, like later on. I, yeah. I actually, I remember, so like, I remember growing up, everyone's like, Oh, that show is terrible because nobody likes captain Janeway, blah, 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 blah. But it's actually a good what was show. Janeway? I don't know. People just don't like Captain Janeway for some reason. I, I mean, That's maybe weird. it was just people I knew, but 
Yeah. I, I always liked the show. Like I, I, I thought it was fun. We did grow up in a very small blue collar town. This is true. <laughs> but I know I liked the show and I always liked the doctor on the show because I always liked his, yeah. uh, his, you know, banter, banter and thought process, you know? Yeah. So, I'd be excited. Well, the way he, uh, <laughs> Picardo has great body language yes. when he's <laughs> acting. You know what I mean? With his face. He's yeah, good, with his face. Good face actor. And even movements and everything. But he's a classically trained actor. Yeah. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And he worked with Danny Aiello, one of my favorite actors oh, of yeah. all time that passed away not too long ago. And he said some wonderful words <laughs> about him. And I don't know. It was, it was just a lot of fun. And it was cool, you know, to talk to somebody that really has a a grasp on everything that they've been doing. Yeah, I agree. I, it was it was a lot of fun. I was, I was, I was humbled that we got him because he's such a, in my opinion, he's such a, a big deal. Because he's yeah. on a bunch of stuff, a lot of a lot of shows that we like, and yeah. uh, it was great to talk with him. I had a lot of fun. And I hope that we get him back no on. No ego, again. no ego, totally cool, totally cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a, just a normal guy, which you always expect everybody to be, just a normal, right, right. normal person. We haven't, we actually haven't ran into that person yet. No, no, <laughs> I don't think we have. I haven't. I don't think. I can't think of anybody that had an ego that was well. Let me put it this way: I don't remember anybody who came on the show that had a, a, a an ego that was too big to contain. Yeah, no, 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 no I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, just people that are passionate about what they're doing sometimes could come across as as having too much of an ego, but really, most of the time, it's, it's just really a love for the craft that they're doing. I agree. Yeah. 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 And Picardo, man, that guy was awesome. And he was very nice. Very, yeah. uh, I don't know, man, how to say it, but just very, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's on the tip of my tongue. You know, he's just not apologetic, just very uh, polite. He's very polite. That's the word. Yeah. Very polite. You very, know, and yeah. just, yeah. Even when he was done and, and he, Needed the because he did say he only had thirty minutes and he right. did stay extra and he said hey you have one last question because I got to go uh, he was just very polite about the whole thing I I love talking with him I could sit and talk with that guy for hours yeah exactly exactly I I, I think we're going in circles saying how awesome he was here because <laughs> it's true but we're like he's awesome he's awesome he's awesome yep he's awesome yeah yeah it could be <laughs> we did have well that just shows the that just goes to show how much fun we had with him yeah exactly exactly so. so. Check out, you know, if you obviously if you, if you know who he is, you probably do. You probably watch something he's in, but you know, he's awesome. I just go see the news section. Go watch Savage Dragon. I mean, he's in that. I, mean, I think he only had a bit part in that you show. But said he's awesome again. <laughs> the best part is that uh, wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. It's so funny because you just said we're talking in circles. How awesome he is. Well, it just goes show how awesome. It was like ah. <laughs> all right i'm done that's a show <laughs> oh man that is a show if you guys enjoyed that and had fun and and got through that awkward awkward outro that we just did uh and i hope you did because it was a lot of fun actually doing it because johnny and i are on video so we're seeing each other actually and laughing at our dumb faces <laughs> and what we're talking about anyways i hope you enjoyed yourself i hope you liked what you heard and if you want to hear more, go check out spoilerverse.com. There's a ton of episodes there that are like, I don't know, over 350 episodes now, inching towards 400. And, you know, we have yeah. so much content coming out. We have new episodes almost on the daily. Pretty much daily, and, yeah. Yeah. We, we, gonna, we average daily right now. Yeah. And you're going to meet new people and hear new things that you probably haven't heard before. But then you're also going to have some classic, legendary people that you want to hear from, like the Walt and Louise Simonsons, like the Eric Larsons that Johnny just mentioned, and and more. I mean, there's so much more. I can't even. I, it wouldn't be fair to list them all because I'd leave somebody out. Ah, just so and many. that wouldn't be nice. Just go to spoilerverse.com, click on podcast, click on Spoiler Country, and, and just look at them all and listen to all of them. There's so many. Or go to yeah. your podcatcher and search for Spoiler Country, and, and a lot of subscribe. good stuff in there. Yeah. Yep. And then you know while you're doing that, while you go to Spoilerverse, you know also check out all the other podcasts that are on there. There's you know like 13. We, you hear us talk about it all the time. You know there's there's Bridging the Geekdom, there's Shooting the Sit, there's Coming Soon, Funny Book Forensics, and Nerd from the Crypt, and the old show Nerd Talkalypse, and Shooting the Sit, and Haphazard Adventures, and White to See a Radio. I mean, there's there's, there's lots of shows, right? Yep. But also go check out the articles, you know, by Sarah Kay on Paranormal. Check out the articles by Jay Roach. They're talking about whatever he wants to, from movie reviews to comic book reviews to what he had for lunch to his workout routine. It's and it, it sounds all very eclectic and weird, but trust me, it all makes sense when you read it because he's a funny guy and he's got some some good insights there. And there you go. while you're there, 
go to that center bar, click on store, go to our store. We have a tea public store where you can buy t-shirts, you can buy stickers, you can buy hoodies. I mean, it's a little stuff here and there. It helps, it helps us out, helps keep the lights on, helps pay the bills, helps us with, with the, you know, the hosting bills, helps with the equipment. You know, it's all that, all, all little ways you can help because as you probably know, right now, nothing is behind a paywall. Everything is free. Yep. You know, all 365 of our episodes, all nobody on the network. Yeah. And there's a good 12 of us. 12 to 15, 12 to 15 people. Depending on how you count it, yeah. Yeah, depending on how you count it. Well, if you put in uh, people doing podcasts, people writing, people editing, uh, people doing press releases, yep. uh, public relations, all of those people add up. There's like about 15 people. Nobody takes a paycheck. No. Because everybody's doing it for the love of what they're doing and being a part of something bigger than yourself. Yep. Every penny and we make so, goes back into, back into what we're doing. Yep. And so hopefully that comes across in everything we do and you guys can uh, be a part of this because we're having a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun. And we should do more video because I love being on video. I, I, I dance when I talk some, I apparently. So <laughs> yeah, well now you're standing up like I stand up. Yeah. And I so dance now, back and forth. When we started, you were sitting down. <laughs> yeah. Now you're, you're up, you're moving, into you're it grooving. Like, yeah. You're like, you want to. Yeah. So we need to do more videos. People can see my silly dances when I'm talking. So yeah. And yours too, because you do it too. And you're always, you're always boxing me when I'm talking. Yeah. I'm always doing something. All right, guys, we are out of here. I hope you guys really enjoyed that, because I know I did. And don't forget, notions of fun. We are Cthulhu. <laughs> and as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read. Robert Picardo and I don't know why Skype has failed us. <laughs> it's okay, Robert. It's you know, it's 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 the it's it's new technology. Well, I guess Skype isn't actually that new anymore, is it? No. It's just maybe it's they're overloaded today. Years old. Is it possible that uh, we can just do it on the phone this it way? It certainly is. We ha- we have we have the technology. We have the capabilities. All right. All right. So we got our own six million dollar man sitting right here. All right, and. Who will I be speaking to in the interview? Okay, my name is Kenrick, and uh, and Ken, I have. I'm sorry, Ken. Is there a D in there? No, Ken, Kendrick or Kenrick. You got it. There's Ken and Rick together. Okay. No D. All right. And um, then my co-host Johnny is on. Say hello, Johnny. Hello. Hello, Johnny. Are, are you guys self-isolating? Are you guys in different locations? We are. We are. We we live like a block and a half away from each other. Johnny's actually married to my niece. Mm-hmm. So we're we're all family here. Cool. Yeah, it's, that's good it's, news. Yeah, it's good. It works out pretty well. And what is your what is the nature of your show before so, we start? Is yeah, that's a- okay. So, spoiler country. We started off primarily as a comic book podcast, talking Marvel, DC, all the fun stuff, and then we expanded into books, and then um, we brought on Jeff, our public relations guy, who you talked with. And that mm-hmm. turned into getting TV shows and movies and directors on. And so now we just kind of encompass uh, pop and geeky type culture. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. All right. All right. Go Kenrick, Kenrick, and John. You got it. You're my first Kenrick. That's right. I, yep. I, you know, I've lived a long life and I've never had another Kenrick in my life. Really? That's cool. Yeah, I like I it. I, so. I yeah. hated my name when I was a kid. You know, because there was no other ones out there, and right. and when I was a, and when I was in grade school, somebody gave me the moniker Kendick, which hurt my feelings. Yeah, not unbelievably. Yeah, so not <laughs> I mean, now it's kind of funny because mm-hmm. it's like okay, everybody was kids, but mm-hmm. um, so I really hated it. But then when I got into high school and realizing how original it was, and my mom got it out of a baby book, where I where you know we're we have an Irish background, and and uh, it's a it's an older Irish name. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you don't want me to call you Ken Dick. That would bring back bad memories. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, if the mood strikes you, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not a. I'm not a pop star. Uh, that'd be funny though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I tell everybody before we get going, just so you know, we're here to highlight you and your career. 
uh, not to bring anything um, negative. So if you say something or you that you you regret or you don't want out there, just tell us. We edit it right out. We're not TMZ. Uh, and it goes and, for everything you have. You, you, go ahead. And you want a solid 30 minutes in the finished product or what you don't know? Oh, I don't know. We we go as long as you want to go. If you want to go ten minutes, then okay. and then you're good, or you're you're not feeling it, or something comes up, then we're fine. You know what I mean? Cool. But I, right. I, I, I'm going to warn you right now, Robert. Do you like to go by Robert or Bob? Uh, uh, you can introduce me as Robert, and then you can just call me Bob. Okay, cool. Right. Okay, cool. I'm going to warn you now, though. We've had lots of uh, people on that have always told us I got I only got 20 minutes, and then they end up being on for 90. So. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, not yeah. I'm going to be. I'll, I'm sure thirty minutes is not a problem, but I, I, I don't. I won't go beyond that, and it might be twenty eight. Okay. No problem. No problem. Okay. Are you Are you ready to go? Ready to go. All right. Let me take a drink of water, and I'll do the intro. <laughs> 